of us have got troubles and trials that we're going through. It might be uh, some uh, different type of trial. But what do you do when you're going through a trouble and trial? What do you do when you're going through a trouble and trial? I mean, some of you are going through some troubles and trials. I know you are. We all are at times. So what do you do? I can tell you what you do. You turn to Jesus. You talk to Jesus. You trust in Jesus. That's exactly what you need to do because he's able to turn our troubles and trials into triumphant trust. That's what I want to preach on today, the subject. I was reading through the book of Nahum, and all of a sudden a verse leaked out of the book, leaked into my heart, and it's found in the book of Nahum. But wait a minute. Speaking of troubles and trials, I heard about one man. He said, man, I can't see out of one eye. He said, I'm half blind in the other eye. He said, I'm, I can't hardly hear. He said, I can't walk. I got arthritis. He said, uh, uh, man, I'm in bad shape. But he said, I sure am glad I can still drive, all right. Uh, praise the Lord. I don't know if I, but anyway, just kidding about that. But listen, here's a true story, all right. Y'all look up here just a moment. Guess what happened to me? I got a telephone call just a couple of weeks ago, and a man told me this. He said, Pastor, he said, you're my pastor. He's not a member of this church, but he said, you are my pastor. I look to you as my pastor. He said, I've just been diagnosed with kidney cancer. He will be scheduled for surgery March the 21st, coming up this Thursday. He's not even 50 years old. He's 49 years old. And on top of that, he said, please pray for my dad. My dad's not doing well. You know who I'm talking about. Two days later, I met him at his dad's house over in Edenton, Georgia. This was only about a week and a half ago. We gathered around the bedside of his dad. I love his dad. His dad's been a blessing to us and a blessing to the church. And I said to this man who probably weighed 275 pounds when he was healthy, now he's about maybe 100 pounds. Bless his heart, skin and bones. He's been in a bed, confined to a bed ever since December. Hadn't he been able to get out of the bed? And I said to him, I said, hey, the Bible says, yea, the walk to the valley. Psalm 23, 4, yea, the walk to the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I said, hey, look, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection of the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He that lives and believes in me shall never die. I said to this man as I looked at him, and I'm talking to you today, listen, the Bible teaches, John said, Blessed are they that die in the Lord from henceforth. They cease their labors and their works do follow them. I'm telling you, I don't know if you've gathered around somebody who was dying, but probably before your life ends, you will. What are you going to tell them? Well, long story short, I tried to encourage him all I could about the great promises of heaven and how absent from the body to be present with the Lord. Well, it was less than 24 hours. I got a call from this dear man. I left probably that night. Uh, Thursday night, uh, like I said, two weeks ago, this coming Thursday night, and he told me my dad went to be with the Lord in heaven. Now, this man is battling with kidney cancer. His dad just passed away. On top of that, his mom, as I got to the house, I walked in the door. They said, Mom, be his stepmom, was just taken to the hospital. She was rushed up to Athens Regional. Well, uh, I said, well, let's pray for her. I got a text message last night and ended up talking an hour on the telephone here at the church from about 9 o'clock to about 10.15. This stepmom passed away the night before last. So now this man's got kidney cancer. He's facing surgery on Thursday. 
He's 49 years old. His dad just passed away. His dad wanted me to preach his funeral. His mom just died the day before uh, yesterday. Who is this man? J.R. Jones. Everybody knows J.R. Jones. J.R.'s been here before. I'm talking about going through a storm. I'm talking about going through a test or trial. Now, your uh, test and trial may not be to that degree, but still, we're all going through troubles and trials. Job of old said, man born of a woman, just a few days, full of trouble. As sparks fly upward, you know what I'm talking about. So what do you do? I mean, you, how can we turn troubles and trials into triumphant trust? I want you to turn in your Bibles to a little book in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, if your pages are stuck, you'll fly right past it. You know what it is? Nahum. Nahum. The little minor Old Testament prophet book. And we're going to look at the book of Nahum today. Find it, please. The book of Nahum. Now, you need to go all the way to the minor prophets and find this little book called Nahum. And I want you to hold your place there in the book of Nahum as you're looking for it. You'll notice it's after the book of Micah, if that'll help you any. There's only uh, seven chapters of the book of Micah. Find the book of Nahum. Nahum. If you go to Micah, if you've gone too far, turn back to the left. Nahum. What do we know about Nahum? As far as I know, I hadn't preached, but maybe if this one time on the book of Nahum, or maybe two, not much, I can tell you that, in 30 years. And because there's a, you know, this is an interesting book. Now, let me just give you a little background before we launch into the text. Okay? In the book of Nahum, who is this? What are they writing? Why are they writing? What's the purpose? What's the plan? Nahum is a minor prophet of God. We don't know a lot about him, but we know this. Jonah had preached to this particular area that Nahum is a sign, namely Nineveh. Say that name with me. Nineveh. Say it again. All right, thank you. And where is Nineveh? Nineveh is modern-day Mosul. That is in modern-day Iraq, over in Babylon. God is not finished with Babylon. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 50, are you writing these down? Jeremiah 50 and chapter 51 and Revelation chapter 18 and Revelation chapter 16. You getting all these? That God's got a word for Babylon. I'm not talking about the nation Babylon. I'm talking about the city Babylon will come crumbling down when God sends an earthquake. Now back to the book of Nahum. Hey, I got a long way to go and a short time to get there. You got to listen carefully. And so Jonah, remember Jonah? How many of y'all remember Jonah? Do you remember the book of Jonah? Jonah's a minor prophet. He goes, you know where he's told to go? Go to Nineveh. Why? Because there was wickedness in the city. It was the Assyrian capital. And Jonah was told, yet in 40 days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. And that was Jonah's message. 150 years later, almost two centuries, Nahum comes along. God sends a great revival to Nineveh. I mean, from the beast to the kings, everybody repented. Oh, would to God that God send a revival in America. Thank you, Brother Ronnie. Anybody else agree with me? Amen. God send the revival, Lord. But anyway, 200 years later, Nahum is writing. By the way, 100 years after Nahum prophesies, Nineveh is smitten and fallen to the ground. So that's a little background. But wait a minute. How big is this city Nineveh? How, 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 much, uh, uh, how tall were the walls in this city? You've got to get an idea. You, I was absolutely amazed. Guess how many miles? Four cities consisted of, get this, 350 miles. That's how big this place was, this Assyrian, and uh, these cities together. I just drove 368 miles down to Palakka, Florida. 
I can't believe this place was that big. It took me six hours to get there, hello. And, the, and the, man, this is how big it, guess what? One wall. Build that wall. We've heard that before, haven't we? Somebody say amen. We've heard that wall, haven't we? We've heard that story, haven't we? You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, guess how big this wall was? It was seven and a half miles in circumference. Seven and a half miles of wall. I mean, that's pretty big. That's almost like from here to Monticello, a wall that big. That's nine miles from here to Monticello. I mean, seven and a half miles. Guess how high the walls were? 100 feet. The walls were, this is Nineveh, an impregnable city. Guess how thick the walls were? 50 feet thick, 100 feet high. You know how, how big the walls were and how wide the walls were? Three chariots could ride across the top of the wall. I'm just giving you a little background of this city called Nineveh. And God is sending Nahum and saying, judgment's coming. You better get right. How many know that God's judgment's coming on all those who spurn the grace of God and say no to Jesus? I'm telling you, God is going to judge. God is going to throw those in the lake of fire who don't have time for God, who say no to God, who spurn the grace of God. I don't like to preach judgment, but brother, it's in the book. God's a good God. We're going to see that in a moment. But wait a minute. Time's running out. And who, those that come to Jesus, they better come quick. Because God says, vengeance is mine, say the Lord. But wait a minute. So we come to Nahum chapter 1. There's the background of the book of Nahum. Nahum's messages to the, primarily the southern tribe of Judah. And the messages repent. The messages turn to God. The messages, judgment's coming. The messages, Nineveh's going to fall to the ground. Having said that, stand to your feet. I want to read verse 1 through 7. Verse 7 is our text. The burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkoshite. God is jealous, verse 2, and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. Verse 3, the Lord is slow to anger, I like that, and great in power. Somebody say amen. Hey, folks, I've just been preaching revival. I need somebody to help me, amen. You know, in a church that's got revival, there's a little life, you know what I mean? We, we can't get some life on that. And so I need you to help me this morning. The Lord is slow to anger, great in power, and look at this, verse 3, will not at all equip the wicked. How many know that? I think of that old song, farther along we'll know all about it. Farther along we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunlight. We'll understand it all by and by. Somebody says, man, it seemed like you can live like the devil and get by with it. And I'm trying to serve God and I'm trying to love the Lord and I got all these problems. Wait a minute. God said he will not at all acquit the wicked. And notice verse 3. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. I like that. He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry. Verse 4. He drieth up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth and Carmel, and the flower of Lebanon languisheth. The mountains quake at him. The hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. That's what Bailey sang a moment ago. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. Here's our text today, verse 7. If you got it, underline it. I love this. This is what leaped off the pages. In the midst of all of this judgment, look what the word of the Lord says. The Lord is good. Let's say that together. 
The Lord is good. One more time. How many believe that? You don't really believe that, do you? You don't really believe that, do you? You don't really believe that, do you? I know you say you, you saying it with your words, but you don't really believe that, do you? The Lord is good. Now look at this. The Lord is good. Notice a stronghold in the day of trouble. Wow. A stronghold that is a refuge in the day of trouble. Man, if we're ever facing troubling days, it's now. Boy, I tell you what. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust in him. I love that verse. Can I get an amen? Man, isn't that a great verse? In the midst of darkness, in the midst of calamity, in the midst of judgment and sin and wickedness, God says, the Lord is good. This is for somebody today. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he for them that trust in him. Father, I thank you that you are good. And I pray today your mighty Presence would be known among us and that, God, the depression and the discouragement and the apathy and indifference and, oh, God, oh, Father God, Lord, you'll stir our hearts today. And, and oh, Father, thank you for those that have gathered. I pray, Father, a mighty Holy Ghost, heaven-sent revival and a renewing in our hearts that would not be cynical and judgmental and critical like it's so easy to get, Lord, living in this whole world of ours. But thank you, you've given us your spirit. He's in us and with us in a upon us and you've made us more than conquerors in Christ I pray dear Lord you'll wash me thoroughly in the blood of the lamb and that God you'll encourage hearts today that God our troubles and trials we all have them Lord you know we got them you said in the world we should have tribulation but be of good cheer because Jesus you overcame the world help us to overcome help us to rise above help us to march forward help us God to keep fighting the good fight of faith I pray, Father, demons of hell would be bound from our homes and our lives and the lies of the devil. Correct our bad thinking, Lord. And, uh, oh, God, help us to have the right attitude, an attitude of gratitude, and to worship you and thank you for all that you've done. I pray there'll be breakthroughs today. You'll deliver us from the prison of fear and the prison, dear God, of, uh, oh, God, of uh, realizing how good you are and how great you are and how you've saved us with your mighty hand and forgiven our sin, forgiven my sin, hallelujah, and written my name in the Lamb's Book of Life before eternity passed. So God, I know I'm nothing but without you. We can do nothing, but dear Lord, I pray now, the Word of God will fall on good ground. You wake up the saints. I know we're all tired, God, and uh, some got into bed late last night, and it's hard. Uh, oh, Father God, the flesh is weak, but the Spirit is willing. And I pray the Word of God will build us up, and you'll fortify us with faith. And God, that you would, oh, Father, Get glory and honor. We love you now and praise you for the blood of the Lamb. I pray you'll save the lost, revive the saved. Help us to be busy about your business. Help us to see a lost and dying world. Help us, God, not to point fingers at each other, but see a lost and dying world and be our God ambassadors for Christ. And when all said and done, we'll thank you for it. We'll praise you for it. We love you, Lord, again. And we just ask now for your Blessings on this time, and we ask it and thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. You may be seated. Hey, look, 
We're in a mess. We're in a mess. So what do we do? There are three, three ways I believe the Lord put in my heart to give you today. Three ways that you and I, watch this, can turn troubles and trials into triumphs. Troubles and trials. Now, you act like you, sometimes we don't have trials. How many got financial difficulties? You've been in debt a long time, and you need to get out of debt. It's bugging you. You know that uh, you got some bills to pay and stuff going on in your life. How many know what I'm talking about? How many know you got marriage uh, challenges in your marriage? Don't look at me like you don't have them. I know you do. You got problems with your children. You got issues. You got, you got things going on on your job. Some of you know that your job's not going like the way you really want it to go. Some of you maybe are going through physical challenges. Troubles on every hand. Trials on every hand. How in the world can I get victory? I wish to God that Diane and Mary and Becky, we could let them testify for a moment. I think it would be a message for us. Brother and sister, we experience the grace of God when we're going through something. Three ways we can turn our troubles and trials into triumphant trust. You ready for them? Here they are. How many are taking notes? Let me see your hand. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm impressed. I'll go a little bit slower then. Number one, and I'll, you, I'll show them on the board. Number one, the first way is this. Remember, life is not always good, but God is always good. I need some help. I need some help. I need some help. Life is not always good. How many know what I'm talking about? But God is always good. Number one, the first way you can turn your trouble and trial into triumphant trust. Number two, as a second way, we'll find that in uh, Nahum 1-7. The Lord is good. I didn't make that up. It's in the Bible. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. A stronghold in the day of trouble. Number two, the second way we can turn our troubles and trials into triumphant trust. Number two, when you're going through a storm and you need... To feel safe and secure, you can find a shelter in the arms of Jesus. You can find a shelter in the arms of Jesus. Where do I get that from? Nahum 1-7. The Lord is good. A stronghold. Here it is, number two. A stronghold in the day of trouble. You know what that word stronghold means? I looked it up again this morning. It means a place of safety. It means a refuge. How many have been worried lately? How many have been anxious lately? How many have been fearful lately? How many are facing anxiety and facing all kinds of emotional distresses? Oh, yes. The Lord is a stronghold in the day of trouble. Thank God we can run to the Lord. Bless the Lord. I might have a shouting spell right there. Number three, the third way that we can turn our troubles and trials into triumphant trust is this. Notice when, notice, when you need hope and help and healing, you can have faith in the Father. You can have faith in the Father. I get that from verse 7. We're not going to move anywhere in the Bible except for verse 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And here's number 3. He knoweth them that trust Him. He knoweth them that trust Him. He knoweth them that trust Him. Let's say that together. He knoweth them that trust Him. One more time. God says, I know those that are trusting me. I know those that aren't trusting me. Let's go to that. Here we go. Number one. Here it is right here. Remember, life is not always good, but God is always good. And notice verse 1, chapter 1, verse 7. The Lord is good. 
And then we'll go to number two in a moment. Life is not always good, but the Lord is always good. That's right. You see, God is good when life isn't good. How many know that? Psalm 34 and 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Life is sometimes as bad. I mean, ask Joseph. Joseph understood life can be challenging. He went from Papas to the pit, to the pit, to Potiphar's, from Potiphar's to prison, and from prison to prime minister. It looked like everything was going wrong in Joseph's life. I'm preaching to somebody today. I know I am. I'm preaching to a lot of folks today that things aren't going like you want them to go in your life with your family, and you're just discouraged. But God said, don't be discouraged because sometimes life isn't always good. But Joseph wasn't going down. Joseph was going up. God had a purpose. God had a plan. God had a power. God had a possession. God had, oh yes, his protection and his promises on Joseph. And I believe the Lord's got it for you and me as well. It might look like things are going bad. Hey, look, how many have heard that phrase? Help me out now. When life hands you a lemon, when life hands you a lemon, don't suck on the lemon, bless the Lord. Make lemonade. Joseph made lemonade. Are you going to make lemonade right now? I see some of you making lemonade. Bless the Lord. Isn't it refreshing? I need y'all to help me now. If y'all don't want to help me, that's fine. Y'all help Diane, y'all help Mary, and y'all help Becky. Isn't it a blessing to see them going through stuff and they're here at church? Come on, let's praise the Lord. Come on, for their sake, not for my sake. Not for my sake, their sake. They're a testimony. They have, if anybody has a reason, sit home and suck the thumb. They do. And they're not doing it. They're here this morning. Isn't that a blessing? What a blessing, Diane. What a blessing, Mary. What a blessing. I think Mary's gone to a children's church. And what a blessing, Becky. You are not saying, God, life sometimes is not fair, but God is fair. God is good. No matter what, and I'm going to trust him no matter what. Job understood. Devil's behind the scene. Job's in the scene. God's beyond the scene. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him? Yes, life is not always good, but God is always good. And you see, sometimes when life is bad, we have to say, God, I know that you're good. I know that you're going to work this for my good. I like that old story that goes, heard it years ago, a, a godly a old deacon was in the church, and man, he'd pray this when the pastor would call him to pray. He'd say, dear God, I don't like sugar by itself. No, God, I don't like to eat flour by itself. And God, I don't like lard and raw eggs by itself, God. But he said, God, I like them good homemade baked biscuits when it's mixed together and made in a homemade biscuit. I love to eat those homemade biscuits. Here's what he was saying. He was saying sometimes in life we got bad things that happen to us. But and sometimes in life sweet things are happening to us. Am I preaching to somebody today? You know I am and I know I am and God knows I am. I read over there in Romans 8 and 28. It's still in the book. 
all things. We know that all things work together for the good. It doesn't say all things are good. Paul didn't say, and all things are good. He said, we know that all things are working together for the good to them that love the Lord and to them that are called to his, to his purpose. Now, is life always good? No. But God is always good. And how many believe that, listen to me, y'all look up here, how many believe that God can take your troubles and trials and make something good out of it? You've got to see that, brother. Sister, don't let the devil rob you of walking in triumphant trust with the Lord. He's not promised us that we wouldn't have trials. He only had one son without sin, but he never had a son without trials. Okay? And so if you're facing trials and you're facing troubles, understand, you're not alone. And so God said, I'll work it for good. I'll bring good about this situation. I preached on Sunday night at a church down in Florida. Baptist, New Beginning Baptist Fellowship. Thank you for praying. Thank you for the privilege of, of an extension of New Rocky Creek. And I'm praying God will bless us as because of it. There were about 200 people there on Sunday morning. It's a new start. They've been in a Baptist church there across from Walmart. You know what I'm talking about, Vicky. I don't know if anybody else knows Palaka. They've been there four years. Pastor's name is Rick McClure. And... Uh, there were 100 people there Sunday night. There were 100 people there Monday night. There were 100 people there Tuesday night. There were 100 people there Wednesday night. I'm just telling you what the ushers told me, okay? I'm not saying that brag or boast. I'm just saying this, revival, Lord. Guess what? Majority of them are senior adults. I'd say 85% are senior adults. They're coming out the church on Monday night. They're coming out the church on Tuesday night. They're coming out the church on Wednesday night, hungry for the Word of God. And no wonder God met with us to Him be glory. Praise His holy name. And here's the point. The point is this. After preaching Sunday night, a man that I'd known for a number of years now, this young man, he was a young man, he came with his wife. He's 31 years old. At the end of the service, he and I talked. He said, Brother Randy, I need to talk with you. I said, okay. I said, what's on your mind? He said, you know what? I'm telling you the truth. I've been angry at God. He said, I've been mad at God. I said, why? And I knew why. He said, and I knew this to be the case. Just a few years ago, he graduated from the Putnam County Sheriff Department training. And on his way home, his wife is following him in the car on Highway uh, uh, I think it's Highway 100, it may have been 19, but anyway, he's riding down the road, his wife's about a half mile behind him, and he just graduated from Law Enforcement Academy. Well, he looks up in the mirror, he passes a car, the car wheezes over in the lane, hits his wife head on, and kills her instantly. He turns around and goes and finds his wife in the car, dead, 31 years old. Now, he's probably 29 at that time. And then he said to me on Sunday night, I'm talking about life. It's not always good, but God's good. And you see, sometimes we sit there and soak and whine about stuff we're going through. But we aren't going through half the stuff that other people are going through. We ought to be shouting this morning. We ought to be praising God this morning. We ought to be saying, God, you sure have been good to me. God's blessed us with a good family. Can somebody say amen? God's blessed us with a good church. Amen. God's blessed us with health. Somebody ought to be praising God for the help we enjoy. We take our help for granted, don't we? Don't we? I said we take our help for granted. I believe these that are going through various things, they tell us in a heartbeat. But on top of that, this man said this. He said, my dad died two years ago. He called me on the phone the day his dad died. His dad and I were good friends pastor over at Southside Baptist Church and uh, they called me and asked me to do the funeral you may remember my dear friend brother Ray Johnson and it's his son and his son said brother Randy I've been mad at God my dad's 
died. My wife has died. Thank God he's remarried and he's got a little baby now. But he said, this is the point. I've got to let this stuff go. I've got to move on with God. I can't let the devil rob me of life being bad. I tell you, that's a breakthrough. Some of us really need to wake up and see we're blessed beyond measure. And you know how I can tell somebody appreciates the blessing of God? They're going to give God their all. They're not going to sell God short. When we just take God for granted, well, I'll give him a little bit of this, and I'll give him a little bit of that. And if it's convenient, I'll do this. And if it's convenient, I'll do that. Somebody that understands the blessings of God are willing to do whatever it takes to honor the Lord. I'm not saying in all cases, every case is the same, but I'm telling you this. The psalmist said, what can I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits? When it registers in our mind how good God's been, how we're blessed beyond measure, then the least thing we can do is serve the Lord. The least thing we can do is give God our all. Say, but preachers are talking about that all the time. Well, if you don't want the blessings of God, that's fine. I want the blessings of God. I really do. How many want the blessings of God in your life? You can't outgive God. You can't outlove God. You can't outserve God. God's been good to us. The least I can do is say, Lord, I take my life off, my hands off my life. You know, sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get people to come to church. So-called Christians. I know we can get backslidden. There's a big problem to try to converse. uh, and, 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 And that shows, man, we are far from God if you have to beg people to come to church. Something wrong there, brother. Something wrong there, sister. And you say, but I, you know, I just, uh, we got to get our hearts right with God. Get our hearts right with each other. Get our hearts right with serving God. Time's running out. And you and I will stand before the same God I'm talking about today. What are you going to tell him? Well, I was busy. I just didn't have time. I had other things going on. I was more interested in money. I was, uh, had other stuff going on, and, and I just didn't. Are you going to really say that to God? You say, well, it's none of your business. Well, it is. Your pastor, guess what? My Bible tells me over in Hebrews chapter 13, I'm going to have to give an account to what I share with you and, and whom the Lord has entrusted to share the truth with. Now, I can't live my life for you. I'm not all I should be, but I'm telling you this. God is calling us as a church to sell out to God in these days, not get slack, not get AWOL with God, not give Him the minimum, God help us to get out of that attitude of giving God the minimum. Well, I'll just do the minimum. Oh, no. Lord, you're worth it all. Not because Pastor Randy said it. How many believe that God's been good to you? I'll tell you something. Y'all listen to me. I love you. But I'll tell you what. God can get our attention real quick. Amen? I've seen it through the years. People just go AWOL on God, and they're really saved. God says, all through this book right here, he says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And when God gets a hold of us, because he loves us, I know you don't want to hear this, no, God's not like that. You've not read your Bible, friend. You need to read your Bible. You've just read one verse here and one verse here. I heard them preachers, cotton candy preachers, all they do is grab one verse here and one verse here. You need to read from Genesis to Revelation and find out who God really is. This book talks about God, not one verse, not two verses, all the verses, and that's why today, I know that this may not be your favorite message, preaching on Nahum, but I tell you, we got to preach the whole counsel of God. And anyway, so, so here's the deal. Life is not good, but God is good. And therefore, we can turn our troubles into trials. I like this right here. When life gets you down, 
Want to know what you got to do? Just keep swimming. Isn't that right? I like that. Just keep on swimming. Sometimes life gets you down. What do you do when life gets you down? What do you do? I'll tell you all the truth. Y'all listen to me. Sometimes I get down. (laughs) I get down a lot. And I say, bless the Lord, I know how it is to have the weight, the responsibility of couple hundred people, 300, 400, 500 by the time you calculate all and all the things that go on from week to week, church to church, day to day, week to week, month to month, uh, year to year, and all the responsibilities. And, and not only that, but things going on in my own family, my own home, and uh, keeping up with all that. I'm like you, man. I get discouraged I need to get with God and what I'm preaching today is I'm preaching myself and I'm trying to help myself as well as helping you that God is good life isn't always good but don't take your eyes off the Lord and and then start uh, uh, just thinking that life oh no Jesus lived 33 years but he didn't live without pain and suffering. And the Lord said that he learned obedience through the things he suffered. We've got a false gospel today being poor, perpetrated across the airways on television that God wants everybody to be healthy, wealthy, and no suffering and no sickness and, and no trials and no troubles. That's not in the book right here. It's just not in the book. And you and I got to be discerning enough these are the ones, and God knows their heart. And we got to stick with the Bible and say, Dear God, hey, look, how do we turn our troubles and trials into triumph? Number two, I'll tell you how we do it right here. Remember, life will get you down, but God cares for you. God cares for you. Isn't that wonderful to know the Lord cares? Number two, when you're going through a storm. Anybody going through a storm? When you're going through a storm and need to feel safe and secure. When you need safety, when you need security, today the truth be known. Listen, I was talking with somebody here recently, and I'm not being critical here. I'm just telling you this is our mindset. If we're not careful, we come to church, and we sit down, and God the Holy Spirit deals with stuff in our life, and we learn to say no to God. We're not following through. We're not obeying God, and then we're having all kinds of emotional problems, all kinds of spiritual problems, because we're just not doing what God told us to do. Bottom line. And we got to run here and run here and go to this psychiatrist and this psychologist and this thing. I'm telling you, if we just start obeying the Word of God and start confessing our sin and getting right with God and doing what God told us to do, it'll help our life out. We've gotten good about sitting in church and playing church. That's right. We've gotten good about it. And, and I'm, not, I'm just telling you the truth. And, and so, so let's obey God. Let's start saying, God... You, you, when you reveal things to me, I want to be broken. I've been where you're at. I know how it is. I know how the devil will do. You'll sit out here in the congregation and say, yeah, that's just Brother Randy's opinion. He's just getting all heaped up and all that. And, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. And, but, but, but you don't understand. I love you. You don't understand. And I'm not saying this to brag, but, but the Lord has me under the burden, fasting and praying weekly, fasting and praying weekly, daily. And I'm not saying this to brag, but I'm saying I love you. And I got your best interest. I'm not just out for a job or to draw a paycheck, okay? I want God to work. And so it's easy to just start kicking back and say, I think I'll retire. Uh Uh-uh. It's not in the picture, okay? I want God to work. Now, it's a lot easier for me and a lot less uh, adversity on my health if I just say, well, I don't care. I'll just... I'll just show up on Sunday and preach a little sermonette and we'll all have fun and we'll go home and, and we'll just, you know, everything will be a hunky-dory and kosher and all that. But you know what? 
the Lord won't let me do that. And, and so I love you. I got your best interest in mind, believe it or not. I know when I preach, I preach hard. I know sometimes it comes across uh, in different ways, and I don't mean to do that. You just know how pastor's wired, okay? And, and, and so, but, but listen, uh, we're going through a storm right now. You're going through a storm right now. You're going through a storm. What do you do? Jesus sends you in a storm. Note this, three responses when you're going through a storm. Number one, if you're following Jesus, you're going to go through a storm. <laughs> yes, sir, you're going to go through a storm if you're following Jesus. Number two, you're going to face some fear when you're going through a storm. You're going to face some fear when you're going through a storm. Number three, you can, watch this, you can, yes, face fear, but you can turn and trust in the Lord. Number one, when Jesus sends you in a storm, I'm reminded of his disciples. Notice what the Bible says. The Lord is good. Let's say that together. The Lord is good. One more time. And then secondly, look at Nahum 1.7. A stronghold in the day of trouble. Y'all see that? A stronghold in the day of trouble. That means a refuge. That means a shelter. That means God says you can run to me today. If you're hurting, you can run to me. If you feel rejected, you can run to me. If you feel lonely, you can run to me. If you're depressed, you can come to me. If you're feeling anxious, you can cast your burden on the Lord. The Lord said, I'm here for you. I want you to come. As a father pitied his children, the Lord pitied them that fear him. He knows our frame. And so, when you're going through a storm, remember the Lord Jesus is recorded in chapter of the gospel of Matthew it's recorded in the 8th chapter of the gospel of Luke it's recorded in the 14th chapter of the gospel of Matthew it's recorded in the 4th chapter of the gospel of Mark all of these are storms and guess what Jesus said to the disciples go to the other side guess what they encountered when they got in the boat a storm now are they in the will of God or are they not in the will of God Jesus told them get in a boat are they in the will of God or are they out of the will of God? They're right in the middle of the will of God and they're going through a storm. Am I preaching to somebody today? You're right in a storm right now. By the way, if you're not in a storm right now, you better get your life jacket because you will be going through a storm shortly. Either you're coming out of a storm, going into a storm, or, fi- or, or, or fixing to go in a storm. So, so this, this message is applicable. No matter if you're in a storm or not, you better. Hey, we go through storms. And if we're going to follow Jesus, you can rest assured you're going to go through some storms. And not only that, but you can. His dad just died. He's facing kidney cancer on, and surgery on Thursday of this week, March the 21st. His mama just died within three, his stepmom, within 24 hours. He said, Brother Randy, I'm just human. I said, I know you are. And we've talked for hours and hours and, and prayed. And I said, my heart goes out to you. I'm praying for you. On top of that, all of his family, his dad's going to have a homegoing service probably in about a month or so after his surgery. That's the plan. They're going to have both of them together. We all know Brother J.R. He grew up in the church, had the privilege of leading him to the Lord, baptizing him, and then called in the ministry, ordained down at Bradley Baptist Church. Now he's over at East Juliet Baptist Church. He's facing some storms. We go through storms, oh yes, and we face fear. Remember the disciples, what they said. Lord, care us not that we perish. Their eyes are big as coconuts. They're terrified. Hey, keep in mind, these are professional fishermen. They knew the Sea of Galilee, left and right, front and back, like the back of their hand. They had seen storms. Remember, it's 682 feet below sea level. A storm can blow up just like that. We were on the Sea of Galilee. 
not long ago. Mountains surround the Sea of Galilee. A storm comes up just like that. Wait a minute. Isn't that like life? One minute things are going good. The next minute a storm blow up. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. So, what do you do when, you got a, when you're going through a storm? I heard about a man that was going home from work one day and he got to a stop sign and he, uh, he just uh, ran, ran on past it. I told you all a story a couple of weeks ago, not the same one. And the police pulled him over. He didn't have a seatbelt on. Next day, same time, same place, same thing. He was coming home from work. This police officer saw him, pulled him over, no seatbelt on, ran the stop sign. Third day, same time, same place, same police officer. He came up with a stop sign. He ran the stop sign. Police officer pulled him over and said, Sir, you still don't have a seatbelt on. You're still running the stop sign. Have you learned a lesson? What lesson have you learned? The man said, the man said uh, to the police officer, I learned tomorrow I'm going to take a different route going home. I don't know about that, but I know this. Hey, what do you do when you're going through a storm? What do you do when you turn to Jesus, you trust in Jesus? How many of y'all remember Aline Hodge? Anybody remember her? Any of you old enough to know Aline Hodge? She lived right down on the corner there. I'll never forget it. She told me, and she was a dear sweet lady. She told me, Brother Randy, did you know, and I forget the exact dates, if I'm not mistaken, it was somewhere around April the 14th or 12th, somewhere in there, 1914. Either 1914 or 1912. She said, you know what happened here? I said, no, I don't know what, what happened, Eileen. She was a sweet lady. She'd say, well. Anyway, she said, well, a tornado hit on County Line Road. I said, really? She said, yep. She said, we were out there. I was a little girl at the time. And she said, a tornado came on County Line Road. I said, really, what happened? She said, a black cloud came in, and all of a sudden that tornado came. She said, we started running for the barn. Run, run. Here come grandma. Here come grandpa. She said that tornado picked up, I think it was grandma, uh, and threw her down and broke her back. Killed her instantly. She said, I was running for the barn. Debris was flying in the air. And she said, I still got a place on my head where it hit me in the head. But somebody helped me in the barn. Either it was a grandmother or granddad that died. I forget which one now. But one of them, their back was broken in the storm. And then she said, we ran as fast as we could. You've been in a tornado. You know what I'm talking about. And they ran. And finally they made it to the barn. They were safe. They were down in a little shelter area. It was a refuge. It was a safety. That's what the Lord's saying right now. He's saying the Lord is a strong tower in the day of trouble. He said you can run to me like a refuge. How many know that the devil will send storms in your life too? Hello. He'll send storms in your life. And therefore, I suggest to you today, we need a refuge. We need a strong tower. Look at Nahum 1.7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. God, I need a stronghold. I need to be protected against the wiles of the devil. I got a call this week. Well, really, it was a text message. I spent about 10 hours on the phone corresponding to people back home. Talked with Becky about an hour and a half, or an hour at least. Talked with Mary about an hour. Talked with Katie about two or three hours. I forget exactly. But talked with several people back home. And uh, Keith Dunn, Brother JP's dad, talked with him for a good while. And uh, texting and, and calling and so forth back home. Even though I'm there in Florida, I'm still uh, getting, staying in touch with stuff back home. I'm just sharing that with you where you'll know. And uh, anyway... And uh, this uh, text message came in. 
It was after I got home and it said this. Brother Randy, help. What can I do about demons? Demons. Yeah, 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 real demons, okay? What do you do? You believe in demons? I'm talking about this, a strong tower. And you better believe it, the devil, he's walking as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And you know the demons of hell would love to deceive you, mislead you, and carry you down the wide and the broad gate. And if they can't carry you down the wide and the broad gate, you know what they'll do? They'll do everything they can to mislead you from following God. Amen. But there's a strong tower. Y'all hear me? I know you think you're strong enough to overcome the demons. You're not. The devil will laugh at you. He'll chew you up and spit you out. You and I are no match for the supernatural forces of darkness. Therefore, I suggest to you, we need a strong tower this morning. I know you don't believe that, but you wait. You wait. You think you can handle the demons of hell? No, you can't. And the demons will get all over you. And therefore, in the name of Jesus, by the blood, today somebody needs to run to the refuge. You say, I can handle this. I'm all right right now. I'm not going through a storm right now. That's the more reason to get with the Lord today, turning your troubles and trials into triumphant trust. I've got to close. I've got to close. Number three, and finally, what do you do when you don't know what to do? You need help and healing and hope. You can find faith in the Father. You can find faith in the Anybody seen this man right here? Anybody know who he is? You know what his name is? Zion Williamson. You know who he plays for? University of Duke. You know how big he is? 6'7", 275 pounds. You know what happened to Zion Williamson? He's going to be probably drafted number one pick in the NBA. I read this in an article, okay? You know what happened to him? Look at his shoe. It's a Nike shoe. Look what happened. It tore all to pieces. He's running on the court. You know what it cost Nike? One billion dollars because a torn up shoe. One billion dollars. A shoe tears up. This thing went viral. February the 20th, 19, uh, 2019. 2019. February 20th, just a couple of weeks ago. He had this. He hurt his knee in the process. Duke fell from number one ranking to somewhere else because, and they just got the ball. It was an opening play. Or the opening, uh, whatever. Anyway, so. Nike fell down on the job. One tennis shoe. You going through a trouble or trial? Don't fall down. Run to a refuge. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knoweth them that trust in him. How many can say, I'm trusting the Lord today? Amen. Let's stand together.